interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Happy Halloween season, everybody! It is my bloody podcast, and it is mid-October, only a couple short weeks away from Halloween. Speaking of Halloween, I'm Brian Kluger, and I am joined by the co-host with the most, the man who I live in Haddonfield with all year long, Preston Barta. What, 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 oh my goodness, speaking of Halloween, yes, Halloween ends, the final <laughs> Halloween movie in ever. the, yeah, the final installment of the modern Halloween trilogy by David Gordon Green is upon us, it's in theaters, it's on Peacock, it's everywhere, and we're here to talk about it, also we're here to say that the movie theater chain Alamo Draft House. I'm sure if you're listening, you know what the Alamo Draft House is. They are a great movie theater chain, great seats, good food, and a heck of a lot of retro screenings. And for the month of October, your local Alamo Draft Houses are showing all the amazing horror movies throughout each week including stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street and Poltergeist and Candyman, all the originals, and they're doing events with these. Even The Lost Boys is in there. It's crazy. Are you excited about this, Preston? Uh, very much so. There's been a couple of experiences that I've had in the past where I've gone to, I've gone to one for Reanimator and Nightmare uh, on Elm Street where they just... And I've gone to ones like throughout the year where they do like little fun ones that I can take my son to. So it's not just in the month of October, but it just happens to be uh, catered towards us, as in you and me, Brian, as big horror fans that we can just go watch these movies that we pretty much just watch within our house. But here you're surrounded by people who are just as equally as enthusiastic about it and energized and they just kind of want to be surrounded by other people who are just as much into it where they can quote it and uh although i wouldn't quite recommend that uh just because you know alamo has a very strict policy about not talking in theaters but every once in a while like you you, you just it, it just kind of brings more fun to the the movie that you already adore to be able, and you can kind of see it through a new lens uh, to just be surrounded by people who just love it and can laugh at things. And, and and I've had that through so many of the retro screening experiences that I've had at Alamo, even Harry Potter was like that where like one of the movies were kind of stale to me that it just kind of pumped uh, life back into them and made it funny and so you can have that but on top of that they just have so many little things that they do with like either um, very special menus like through uh, October starting now uh, they have a uh, taste of terror like this special menu that has like uh, 
four different things on it. I have like the Boogeyman Brussels sprouts pizza, which is uh, one of my favorites because I'm a big fan of Brussels sprouts. And then they have uh, the Hell's Reaper burger with like grilled onions and like a, a sesame seed bun and stuff like that. Um, uh, toasted seeds and uh, they have special drinks. They have one called uh, Blood on the Water. It's like this uh, tequila, orange juice, uh, honey syrup type. And then uh, you got to get their shakes. Um, so their shakes are a lot of fun. And this time they have a devil's eyes pie spiced shake, something like that. Um, so, yeah, well, it, it's cool pretty stuff. cool what they do at Alamo because it's not just like Preston said, not just for Halloween and horror. They do stuff like this year round. So like for the holidays and Thanksgiving, they're going to be having all different types of food related to the holiday and Christmas or even the movies that are showing but for this month and for my bloody podcast, you know, I feel like they said it for us because this is right up our alley. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, Preston, why Alamo Draft House? Why should people choose Alamo Draft House over other places? Well, it's just um, the the experience of it and just uh, how it just feels like they put so much effort into all of the aspects of the film going experience from like the feeling that you have when you're walking through the door where you're, you're welcomed and you're just surrounded by people who are just love and appreciate film. And it's just cool to walk around the space and feel like it has such a history to it. Like each one of them tend to have a theme and, uh, the one that I go to a lot is in Richardson, Texas, and they have like the the robotic arm that's in the the lobby, and a lot of like retro posters around. So it just feels like a, a history or a grand appreciation for film. So you can just feel it from the onset as when you walk through the door, and then when you get into the theater itself, it's just you know it's very dark. It has great tasting food, like you've already mentioned. And for a lot of these movie parties, they have stuff that's just sometimes they have special items. Uh, like I took my son to go to a Minions screening not too long ago and it came with a hat and they did like this very like interactive thing where you could create like did an arts and crafts type of stuff. So if you just like check their calendar, you can see like all the films that are playing and you, you just have to look. Uh, into it but most of the time they'll have like a colon whatever event it happens to be so some of these retro screenings that they're through doing throughout the month especially during like the the week of monday through friday they're most likely just going to be standard uh retro screenings where there's nothing special about the menu outside of the the taste of terror menu that i've already talked about which will be available um throughout october um so they'll have stuff like that, but uh, the, it's the weekend mostly, uh, but they do have some screenings like uh, I think Sean of the Sean of the Dead party that they're having. If it's a movie party, they're most likely going to have very special things attached uh, to it. And most of the time you can click on uh, whatever event it is and it'll kind of lay out a little bit of what to expect. But yeah, it's just uh, pretty much exactly what I said earlier about just feeling like um, you're in good hands and that they really want to make sure that your love for that film, if you've seen it already, remains intact. And if you haven't seen it and you're sharing the experience with somebody else, that it just be, is uh, memorable for them. 
Right. I, I agree with you there. The, the, them, them homemade warm cookies hot off the press are always a favorite of mine. Uh, it's I, I cannot go there and not get uh, those cookies. It's good. It's a, it's a good time. And so during the month of October, of course, we're doing the retro screenings, but also they are showing um, the new Halloween movie, Halloween Ends. Um, but before we get to that, because we're going to talk a little bit about Halloween Ends. But first, uh, I think on Halloween Day, the Alamo Draft House are all showing The Shining, yeah. uh, which is like their big, their big movie for Halloween, which if you've never seen The Shining in a theater, please do it. Like that. The score, it, it's even scarier in the theater. And it's great yeah. to watch it on the big screen if you've never seen it. Uh, please do that. Right. And they're doing, uh, like, I already we already mentioned the Lost Boys movie party, Shaun of the Dead, at least for us it, in our local Dallas-Fort Worth area. But if you check your, it, it may be different uh, depending on where you are. Um but uh, they're doing like a scream brunch screening. So I have n- no idea what that entails. I've been to some uh, movie parties where they've had s- cereal at them, like uh, mostly like kids films and Pixar. So they they probably have a special menu uh, in place for uh, scream. Um, so just the idea of starting your day off while watching a Wes Craven classic with uh, some a very special menu that's probably geared or they usually have puns and just like little things that they work into their menu uh that's just somebody thought that up and spend quite a bit of time and so their marketing team's awesome right right so alamo draft house go to their website call them up on your phone and get your tickets for all the retro screenings eat all the good food get some of those warm cookies for me uh and have a ball have a blast it's horror dress up go there you'll see like-minded individuals is pretty great yep uh but let's talk about halloween ends the final installment of this modern halloween trilogy first preston and i were at the world premiere of halloween 2018 at the alamo draft house south lamar in austin texas we got to talk to danny mcbride we got to talk to jamie lee curtis david gordon green We had to talk to everybody about that movie. Everybody was really excited about this because, as you know, if you've listened to my bloody podcast, you know the Halloween franchise holds a special place. Even Season of the Witch Part 3 in our hearts, Preston and I adore Michael Myers, Laurie Strode. Why do do you guys say Season of the Witch? You should say uh, Resurrection. (laughs) Resurrection 2! It's Busta Rhymes! Yes, yes, yes. Um, (laughs) So we were real excited in 2018 for this to happen. And when they, when Alamo Draft House at Fantastic Fest announced that it'll be the opening night movie, we were really excited. We watched the movie. uh, Mike Myers came in costume to the premiere. The lights went out. Everybody screamed and we watched the movie. After the movie, I believe Press and I were like, okay, there's a couple of decent things here, but... It could be better. It could be better. But then the movie made a ton of money. Like, I think it was made for like $10 million and it made like 200 something million. Like, it's crazy. So, of course, they were going to do more movies. So, they announced that they were doing back-to-back films, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, the, the, the ultimate trilogy. And we all hope that it would end in a steel cage match between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, the the shape 
And so Halloween Kills came and went. We talked about this. Uh, we, we talked about, so I think it's really interesting. So the revamped version of Pet Cemetery and then Halloween Kills. <laughs> I hated Pet Cemetery revamp, but I didn't mind Halloween Kills, but it was kind of vice versa with Preston on those two, right? Uh, 100 percent yeah yeah but having seen this one we can talk about some more positive things with halloween kills <laughs> right right so you know when we were okay so halloween kills you know you kind of have like a couple moments where michael myers turns into john wick he's killing everybody with every instrument it's like yes this is what i wanted and then it just fell off the rails and it's whatever so okay halloween ends I guess we're going to pit Laurie Strode and Michael Myers and it is going to be them two and they're going to get it on and just do it, you know, in so many ways. And Halloween ends. We're here. And Preston and I watched this movie and I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of Rob Zombie's Halloween movies or really the last two ones uh, of this franchise. But man, Rob Zombie's Halloween movies and the last two Halloween films of this franchise are like Citizen Kane to what Halloween ends is. Like there, I feel like I was waiting for like commercials to pop up during this movie. Like it just seemed like it was an ABC primetime musical theater film to me. Like lifetime, lifetime, lifetime. There you go. Or Hallmark channel style. And it's okay. So to start out, we went into this movie, not with such high expectations already, but no expectations were met, at least for me. Preston, were expectations met for you? <clears throat> uh, there's certain parts to it that uh, I, I don't think it's a good movie. Not at all. And it was not a satisfying conclusion. It just felt like, even though, like as we mentioned earlier, with our opinion on, of the, tw the 2018 film, like... The way that that film ends, it ends in such a way where if they hadn't made any more, it would have been fine and it would have been perfectly bookended the the the, the, the franchise. Or I guess uh, since they're eliminating the franchise, it would just be the the first Halloween and then the new 2018 one. Um, so it would have, would have been fine. Just leave it as that. But since they felt compelled to go forward, you know, they made that money. Uh, understandable there's still excitement there that they were going to continue to go with there because you never know what these filmmakers are going to do because david gordon green is a very uh capable filmmaker he's made some really great stuff outside of just like the comedy stuff that he's done like he's really good with uh uh indie stuff um so i just kind of thought my expectations going out of that out of 2018 was that we got the titles, we got Halloween kills and Halloween ends. And that was like, awesome. I was like, okay, this is going to be a really great trilogy. And I think we've spoken before on this podcast about just wanting the, the franchise or like any of the notable horror franchises to do something like that, where they plot out 
a storyline that takes two to three films and then it just follows along that that whole story arc feels like it's complete but this kind of feels like they did very similar to the new star wars sequel trilogy where it almost feels like different filmmakers are coming in or just new storytellers they're coming in and they're trying to do different things so the first one the first one as in 2018 um even though we took a lot of issues with things, it still kind of followed this uh, beat pattern that was very similar to the original uh, while just kind of retooling it with like modern sensibilities and like uh, things that go on today um, and this exploration of trauma. So um, that was interesting. And then the second one, it was just like, okay, let's really lean into uh, a lot of like the vis you know you have a visceral reaction when there's a scene of violence and a lot of the violent scenes in the 2018 film where you see Michael squash somebody's head or something like that like it got a rise out of people so it's almost like the filmmakers maybe picked up on that and they wanted to do let's just make the second one as brutal as possible when it was um so it was just kill 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 but then you know people like me who saw Halloween kills were like yeah there was a lot of violence and maybe some cool kills in there but part of what makes Michael Myers uh, Michael Myers so cool is this like building towards something like him um oh, kind of like a lot of things that are like pulled from or at least uh, adopted by Friday the 13th is that we we like that like stakeout we like that all these little things that he would do to uh kind of like toy with your mind um and there was a little bit of that in the 2018 film with him walking through the house. And so it, it didn't exist in the second one, Halloween Kills, for me at all. And then the third one, uh, Halloween Ends, feels like they were trying to do something like um, almost like part six, where like it brings like the cult kind of aspect to it. That's not here. You don't have to worry about that. But it does feel like it's taking a different approach entirely, where there's just other stuff going on that is just kind of like no we're getting all this padding it's it nobody cares it's kind of like when we're watching uh the bachelor uh <laughs> bachelor in paradise brian when those when you have the married couple on there and we're like oh yeah good for them but i don't care i i came here to see this big showdown and we get the big showdown at the very end and that that's it so there, there, there was there, there are some good things, and I would, I would like to bring that up, but I do want to give you some room to talk as well. No, for sure. Like we're going to talk about the good because there are a couple of good things about Halloween Ends. Not great, but just okay. Um, so with Halloween Ends, you know, I think the film should have focused on Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, and it doesn't. It so much so it doesn't focus on them that Michael Myers doesn't show up until an hour into the movie where he's living his life as a ninja turtle in the sewers of Haddonfield. <laughs> um, he is, and yeah. nobody has seen him. It's been a year and a half or so, and kind of everything's been back. It's been to like normal. four years. Oh, four years, four years since the last one. And so, like, there's a, re a return to normalcy almost in Haddonfield. I mean, you you see uh, Laurie Strode. Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, switch back from her Sarah Connor Terminator 2 look 
with, you know, riot gear on to like her original OG 1978 dre- floral dresses and kind of like Which the Which is library. completely unbelievable. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things unbelievable about this movie, um, such as that, but also the fact that the characters in this movie are comically and over the top rude and mean to everybody where they're in the film. There are four people who are allegedly uh, marching high school, marching band people who are literally the worst people in the world. Like they are just diabolical assholes. And I'm watching this. And as somebody who was in the marching band, I'm telling you, marching band people ain't like this. Yeah, nobody's at this mean, but marching band people aren't this mean. Like I feel like they got this wrong, but they're comically over the top, and it it didn't make sense. But also, uh, you know what? I'll tell you. Uh, I bet you if that tends if that picks up some steam and people are like uh, uh, calling that out, I feel like. No offense to, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, we love her, but a lot of jokes were made about, like, how much she talked about trauma being, like, a huge focus and, like, something that's, like, rooted with in the film, and that's, like, what it's really about, and yeah, it is an aspect of it, but with something like that, I could see her or some of the filmmakers be like, well, that's kind of like angry YouTube commenters or social media commenters. And so that's, that's why it's there. And it's some grand exploration or something. But usually like YouTube or Reddit commenters are pretty funny, you know, like they can be horrifying, but they have like a pretty funny, you know, quip with them, you know, style, but this was like overtly mean for no reason to this guy. So one of these new characters that's brought into the movie who it, the movie film kind of follows through the whole shebang is a character named Corey. And I'm here to tell you now that Corey could have been written out completely and the movie yeah. would have been infinitely better. But as we see in the first opening scene, Corey is a young man who is babysitting a very young, like, you know, six-year-old kid. And the six-year-old kid is just as mean and terrible as those uh, band members that I just described. And so there's an accident that happens. And so uh, with the the babysitter and the kid and the the child ends up uh, dying. So it fast forwards. And so we're following Corey, who now... Laurie Strode's granddaughter takes a liking to out of nowhere almost. It's just kind yeah. of like, oh, we both have trauma and people look at us weird. So I'm immediately in love with you. And it it yeah. plays out like Preston said, like Hallmark or Channel, like it's fantastically bad. And so we start to see how Preston said with Halloween six, there's kind of like, where does this entity, where does this evil come from? where Michael Myers might be looking for like a successor uh, to his madness because like his body's old and maybe he's, you know, decrepit and he needs the evil to flow somewhere else. And so that's kind of the shape, uh, pun intended, this film takes where it doesn't really necessarily focus on Laurie Strode or Michael Myers for that reason until kind of the last few minutes. Uh, but 
everything through that, uh, that's kind of what I didn't like about the movie. We're going to get to the kills. We're going to get to the things we did like, but Preston, can you agree with me on what I just said? Oh yeah. Every, everything that you've said, it's all the character interactions are just not believable and not of our earth at all. So the whole time I was watching, it, it was like, as if, uh, all the writers, Danny Boyle, Danny Boyle, if it was Danny Boyle, it would be a different movie. Um, if Danny McBride and uh, David Gordon Green, it's like they didn't quite know when to press on the gas pedal and when to break. And so they would just, moments that are just supposed to be like calm, you know, like you reach a certain point where it's like a bit of a lull. It's just trying to make you comfortable so it can ratchet up the tension later. Um and then there'll just be like these unnecessary, just so many moments where you're just like, why, 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 why are you doing that? Like what, there, what, what is this interaction? None, none of this is believable. I don't think that you would have done this if that happened to you. It's just like so many of those moments and it's just so completely frustrating. It's a very frustrating movie. It is a very frustrating movie, and I'm t- I'm sorry I was laughing there when you said Danny Boyle because <laughs> now I pictured in my head what I really want now is a scene in Halloween Ends <laughs> when you're seeing like an action shot of uh, Michael Myers about to kill somebody, and it freeze frames like Danny Boyle, and it says Michael Myers didn't do drugs. Michael Myers yeah. did people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Begbie in Train Spotting, and I oh. What a fantastic movie that would have been. But no, we didn't get that. So yeah, like Preston said, the characters, the dialogue, the script, it's painfully awkward and bad. Even the the editing of this movie is mm. awkward as fuck and terrible. Like there's just scenes where you're just like, okay, commercial time. You know, you're just like, what's yeah. happening here? It doesn't make sense. And so, okay, talked about it, the bad it thing. Was like, it's almost like they made it for like Peacock ads. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Correct, Abundo, Preston. Um, so let's talk about some of the, the decent things. So I want to talk about, let, let's talk, there, there's one great kill in this movie. Unfortunately, there's not many, but there's one great kill that, you know, deals with a podcaster slash DJ. <laughs> and it's, it, it's I knew ex- you are going to love that one. It's extremely dumb and over the top. It doesn't make sense. But again, like every other character that's not the Strodes in this movie or Corey's father for some reason, um, everybody is a giant asshole. And this radio station uh, person that we hear throughout the movie talking, you know, over narration off screen, he's just a giant dick when he crosses paths with people. And of course the the shape enters the radio station and very sil in a very silly way but pretty gory way um and slapsticky way kills him bangs his head on the turntable many times he's bloodied and then mike myers wasn't uh he he wasn't through correct 
Right. Um, so at this point, definitely into spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen the movie, definitely uh, go check. Uh, don't go check it out. Just listen to our, inter- our review here because it's not worth checking out. Um, but if your curiosity is there, go ahead. Um, yeah. It, so th- in that moment, it's not actually Michael Myers. It's the, it's the kid. It's Corey. It's, yeah. Yeah. So yeah that that was the that that's another one of those moments where it's like kind of humorous if you like try to focus on it individually um so that's what like the the positives that's kind of how i just kind of took to it especially after i saw it and i like shook off like the shit of the (laughs) that was uh (laughs) put on me um that i can just kind of focus on those little individual moments and that they'd be they would be good on their own it would be good in another movie that would maintain a tone that is consistent with that individual moment so yeah it's funny to see his just tongue cut off and then seeing it go over uh, around the turntable yeah spinning around art 33 rpms you know and it like skipping (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> live yeah and you're just it's... like okay like that I, that was my favorite kill in the movie um there was that i did like Corey's father because his character was just a complete opposite from everybody else he was like such a nice guy and like yeah. his lines were so funny but they were edited so poorly and he was but, watching hard target so that's great yeah, yeah he was he was a jcvd uh fan uh it, it was really funny with him because he really loved his son, but it seems like his wife and Corey's mother, um, his mother was, so that's another thing I didn't like about Halloween is like, why are we giving this person, you know, a bad home life? Everybody hates him. His mom hates him. And then like tries to like make out with it. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It's all thrown together. And, but his dad's like, I hope you find love, son. And then like, it's yeah. black. It's just like, it doesn't make sense. But uh, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this. We have to talk about the steel cage match. We have to talk about hell in a cell inside a kitchen um, with Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, it is a very short fight. It lasts maybe what, 120 seconds? Maybe <laughs> yeah. minutes. Last it's very minutes. short. But I will say you know, very on the nose throwbacks. Oh my God, there's the sewing needle. Oh my God. Oh, you know, you're, we're getting kind of throwbacks here with weapons. I mean, I really thought they were about to go WWE with it because there were knives, there were frying pans, there was a refrigerator, there was a chair, you know, it was kind of like, Oh my God. There's a really... crucifix, uh, crucifixion almost. Yeah. There was, I mean, it felt like a pro wrestling match in such a way, but then again, it very it ended anticlimactically with Laurie Strode kind of um, just slicing his main artery vein. And I'm just kind of like, okay, this is kind of weird to me because it seems like he can't die, but can he bleed out? What's going on? Yeah, I don't know why. If she had spent that amount of time fantasizing about killing him, why did it go the way that it did with like this kind of like poetic drive style with like just slicing the wrist and in a very like simple easy lovingly way which i guess you know maybe they they've been through 50 years together and maybe that's like okay this is my way of letting you down i don't want to violently stab you to death in the head screaming no that's not the way i would want to do this like you said, poetically almost. And maybe that's the reason, but it the execution from he David killed Gordon your daughter, Green, man. 
Yeah, it killed, killed the family. And so there wasn't any real exhilaration or satis satisfying moment in that. And it ended too quickly. And then David Gordon Green's execution and filming of it didn't make sense either. I wasn't in the moment. I was like, oh, that's it. Oh, okay. Oh, right. well, I guess there's some practical blood, but you know, what are we doing here? Is, nope. is that what you got out of that? Yeah, pretty much. I, I was very disappointed about that um, because I, I saw quite a few interviews of Jamie Lee Curtis talking about like what that showdown would be like. And she was like, yeah, I thought of like it because she said that she came up with the idea of like the blend, uh, the garbage disposal and things like that. And I was like, well, it almost sounds like you didn't know what the hell y'all were doing. And yeah, then you just kind of came up with it, it on the spot. Yeah, because yeah, nothing happened with the garbage disposal. Like the hand goes down there a second, but she doesn't get hurt by it. It's just turned on. Like there's not no. like a, there's not a, a, what's it, final destination moment with it, you know? But no, it, none of it made sense. <laughs> the, the only cool moment that I'll say within all that uh, fight, was uh when he had the knife in his hand and he split it real quick to grab her throat that that yeah. was that was the only really cool moment out of that yeah i was like ooh, okay there it is and so from here he's kind of unconscious and they say or well, they believe that he's dead they believe he's dead and so they're like well he's dead but he's not dead enough so now somehow Lori Strode and her granddaughter have rallied the entire police force, the entire town of Haddonville to kind of, you know, uh, take him together in a funeral processional <laughs> down to the junkyard and dispose of him. And, you know, you, you've probably seen Instagram videos and TikTok videos of those grinders that will grind anything like from cars to mattresses to beach yeah, balls. Huge shredder. Yes, yes, a huge shredder. And so uh, that's kind of what happens in the film. They put him on the shredder. Uh, Laurie Strode's the way to do it. And that's kind of the end of him. But then they... So here's where I'm confused, is with the end. So it's clear in the movie with the relationship between Laurie Strode's granddaughter and Corey that they had sex at least once. And they had sex maybe when he was kind of getting that entity, that evilness from Michael. And then mm -hmm. at the very end, the very last scene is with Laurie Strode and our, our uh, coach Boone's assistant from remember Will Patton, Will Patton, uh, sitting on the porch, talking, enjoying themselves. But there's like a there's like a moment where Laurie Strode kind of zones out, and then it flashes back into the inside of her clean house now. But it shows the Mike Myers mask still. So my question is: Are we to believe that the evilness passed to Laurie Strode now, and she's keeping it at bay, or? will her granddaughter give birth to the next Michael Myers? Like, that's where I was left at. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of like where I'll put a pin in it all and just like not care about what they're, they plan to do with it. Because if, if I need to put so much effort into trying to make sense of, of all that and just even just give them 
what they're wanting is to want more and see what comes out of this and fantasize about it. It's just like, they didn't do me any favors by giving me three shit movies. So, um, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they'll just leave that open, but I, I doubt that Lori's gonna become, I mean, she's just as old as the shape. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to happen. So you, you may be onto something with like, uh, her granddaughter um, but I don't think I don't see that going like a, a Rosemary's baby kind of route or anything like that but right I don't either I just like it was something that they clearly showed and I was like okay what is going to happen with this um, and then with her coming to the door and seeing Will Patton and her being happy but then all of a sudden she just like stops talking and gazes out into the sky and it's almost like her eyes mm -hmm. went black almost and yeah. then they focus back in the house and they showed like the mask and i was like okay um what are we doing here but again poor execution poor it, it was just a poor movie all around like i'm very unexcited about it and one of the funnier moments to me there's a scene where Corey gets a lot of uh, amped up courage and he goes back into the sewer to you know be mad at Michael Myers <laughs> and they have a fight scene inside the sewer and it's kind of almost like, like it wasn't big brother little brother yeah. yeah it wasn't like choreographed it was almost like two like fifth graders fighting in somebody's parents basement like it was it was that bad and that comical like that just nothing happened and I was dying laughing about that it cracked me up uh yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that was really enjoyable about the movie was, of course, John Carpenter's score again. Like, it's that, damn, the score is so good. And I also really like the opening. Outside of that kid, little kid being a dick, uh, just that whole scenario, like the, the whole beginning, I was like, okay, okay, well, yeah, you know, that kid's not being very nice. But then when he's locked, when he locks Corey in the attic and everything, I was like, okay, this is cool. And then when he busts open the door and then hits the kid and he falls down three flights of stairs to his death and the parents come home, I thought I was like, oh shit, this is cold. Um, okay. This is, this is probably the best cold opening out of all, all three of them. And then, um, that's where I thought the movie was going to go is that pretty much what it just like sums up within those first uh, few minutes following that kid's death and the, the, the opening title credits is the where I thought it would be the most interesting to kind of focus on the, the fear that he, that Michael Myers has put into the town where people are just like, uh, I don't know what to expect this Halloween. And like some kids are leaning into it and then some, and then like serial killers could come out and then you wouldn't know like who's killed. It was that Michael Myers. I don't know. And so like that whole, just kind of like mystery thing, they could have been turned this into like a really layered serial killer type of thing or multi-serial killer thing. I don't know. Just like, I'm not a, film writer but there, there was something within those first few moments of the movie that i thought would have made it a compelling narrative uh throughout and it would allow them to bring in michael myers a little bit more into it and I, that's where i think the kid should have just uh cory should have been out of the movie like him just set up everything and like i thought the the guy the actor who plays him was very committed and was good within it but it's just that's not what I wanted out of this experience. Right. So I, 
Yeah, it, it's not. And then, you know, those first, you know, that cold open, the first five minutes were probably, you know, the best part of the film, you know, realistically, because it had it had pacing. It was good. Yeah. They had some jump scares. It was filmed well. And then yeah. after that, it like nosedive completely within the first like three minutes after that scene. And it never recovered. But they had that first opening scene because when the kid fell, I I went, yes. And then, oh, my God, for real, it happened. And uh, because you're thinking the babysitter is going to die because they even say it in the film. But, yeah, this kid died and (laughs) fantastically so. But again, it's like, who did we really root for in the movie? Because, like, I like Laurie Strode, but she's not the same character. She's writing a stupid book that I would not read. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 David Gordon Green had to be thinking like, "Oh yeah, stand by me." He's he, she's writing something. I was like, "No, it's not working." So this movie is just not great. Halloween ends. I don't recommend it. I say skip it. You're probably better off for not seeing it. I mean, if you're like the biggest Halloween fan, I'm sure you're going to find more things than we did to love about it. But other than that, uh, yeah, the the best thing about it, the score and those opening five minutes. Other than that, we just hope there 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 is a market for Mike Myers and Halloween. We just need it done well. Um, you know, see the remake of Evil Dead. See, oh god, there there's others I'm not thinking of right now. But Pet Cemetery. Shit. <laughs> uh, the. Even that, even though I didn't like it, they, that was better executed than Halloween ends. So I'll give you that. So uh, in the meantime, please visit Alamo Draft House. Um, go watch those retro screens and those retro parties for your horror movies. We'll be talking about um, more about Alamo in the coming weeks as well, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll uh, end up going to at least one of those movie parties and report back just to kind of give you a full scope of what to expect. And even though it might be really close to Halloween, like we mentioned earlier, they have stuff going on year round that's even tied to like Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like I imagine they're probably going to do something with like Knives Out uh, and uh, like a lot of the Christmas classics and stuff like that. So you have that to look forward to. So we can get really in depth uh, about it once we go to one of those and most likely will be Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. And if you see either Preston or I at the Alamo Draft House, come up and say hello. And we would love to talk movies with you. Yeah. Because it's what we do, it's what we love. Um, yeah, Halloween ends. Preston loved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that it's done. I love that it's done. There you go. We love you. This is my bloody podcast. Find us, type in blu-ray dad on instagram to find preston type in preston barta you can see him at the denton record chronicle you can see him at freshfiction.tv read all of his stuff i'm brian kluger type me in you'll see me on instagram twitter youtube high def digest we love you thank you for listening